Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks. Thank you for listening to the show. You are listening to another communication lecture series episode. And in this episode, I will be covering introductions and conclusions. Every single speech that you do has an introduction and it has a conclusion. The introduction and the conclusion are two of the most essential and important parts of your speeches. You may ask why? Well, the introduction is what you set the tone of your speech. And the conclusion is the last thing people are going to hear. So it's two very important parts of your speech. Let's talk about the introduction. The introduction of your speech has two main goals. The first goal is to capture your audience's attention. And the second goal is to prepare your audience for your speech. So you want to gain their attention and you need to gain their interest right off the bat. So what are some ways to do that? Well, you could relate a story. That's one way. I believe that telling a story is one of the most effective ways to begin a speech because people, they love to listen to to stories. They like to listen to people tell stories. Let me give you an example of an a narrative, a story that I heard during an introduction speech. A girl gets up and she says the following. A few years ago, over a hundred third graders were on a field trip at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. Suddenly, an 87-year-old man lost control of his car and slammed into the group. One child was killed and 67 children and 10 adults were injured. So right off the bat, she just caught everybody's attention, this person did, with this story. Uh, Her speech, by the way, was on, she believed that people should, when they get to a certain age, they should be retested for their driver's license. So she gave a story to catch her audience's attention. And I believe she succeeded with that story because it was a traumatic story right off the bat, and it gained people's interest. People started to perk up and wanted to listen to what she had to say. But that's just one way to gain uh, your audience's attention right off the bat would be to tell a story. Another way would be to ask rhetorical or over-response questions. Now, a rhetorical question is basically you're asking a question that you already know the answer to. So you're not asking the rhetorical question to really get an answer. You're asking that question to just simply stimulate the interest into your audience's mind. Let me give you an example of that. With powerful radio signals being beamed into outer space at this very moment, is there any realistic chance that during our lifetime we human beings will establish radio contact with other civilizations in the universe? Now, not only does that, such a question catch the attention of the listeners, but it also it wants them it makes them want to hear more. Now, another type of question that I mentioned was the overt response question. And that is when you ask a question where you are really wanting an answer from your audience. I'll give you an example. I had a student in one of my classes get up and say, There is only one Olympic sport in which men and women compete against each other head-to-head in direct confrontation. Which sport am I talking about? So, 
she asked that question. One of her audience members guessed water polo, which was a, the wrong answer. Another guessed softball as the sport, which was a wrong answer. Another guessed synchronized swimming, which was the wrong answer. Finally, the speaker gave the correct answer. It was equestrian. In other words, horseback riding competition. So it got her audience involved. She engaged her audience. So it was a very smart way to start a speech. Now, there are some things you should keep in mind when asking overt response questions because there can be some pitfalls when you do ask questions. One, you want to avoid questions that can fizzle. Um, You don't want to get up there and say, um, how many people up here are familiar about the future farmers of America? And if everybody raises their hand, and that's not what you anticipated, you were hoping that nobody knew nothing about the future farmers of America, then you kind of screwed yourself. Because if your whole speech is an informative speech on future farmers of America, and everybody in the room already knows a lot about them, well, you've just asked a question that completely fizzled out. Um, Another pitfall to asking overt response questions would be um, when you ask a question, just don't drag out the response. Don't keep asking your audience to guess again. Nope, guess again. Nope, guess again. Just avoid that. Never ask or embarrassing or personal questions. You know, don't ask your audience, hey, has anyone in here ever tried cocaine? Hey, has everyone in here ever tried pot? Because you can embarrass somebody and you don't want to embarrass your audience. You don't want to say something like, how many of you all use deodorant every single day? So avoid questions that could have an effect on your audience member's personal life that could embarrass them. Another way that you can gain a person's interest in an introduction would be to make a proactive statement. That is basically getting up and saying something very outlandish. You're making a statement that just kind of sends shockwaves to your audience. You just made a very bold statement that makes people want to listen. Like you could get up and say, President Donald Trump will destroy the United States of America. You know, that right there is a very proactive statement. You just shocked your audience by saying something very shocking, but make sure it's relevant. Another way uh, would be uh, to gain the interest of uh, an introduction would be to cite a quotation. You know, people love quotations. People love hearing what other Uh, People have said when it's written well or said very well, uh, often celebrities or famous uh, public figures. But make sure that it's uh, a short quotation. Uh, Let them know where the quotation begins and let them know where the quotation ends. You might even have to say, start quote, end quote. Another way to gain interest and attention for uh, an introduction would be to arouse the curiosity of your audience. I had a student get up here and say exactly this. This is how she started her speech. She said, I am an addict to a drug. I have been addicted to it for many years now. I feel like I need it to make it through the day. If I don't get this drug, my head aches, I'm nervous, I'm irritable, and I begin to tremble. It's true, I'm addicted. 
So right there, she caught her audience's attention by talking about being addicted to a drug. Now, of course, her whole speech was on caffeine, but she still raised the interest of her audience. Another way to gain interest would be to provide visual aid or demonstration. Your audience loves to see visual effects, whether it's uh, from a PowerPoint presentation or it's a prop. But let me give you an example. I had a student give a speech. She was giving a informative speech on how to do martial arts and how to um, properly defend yourself against um, a thief or an attacker. So she would use people from the audience to come up and demonstrate. She would ask for volunteers. So she would use them as a visual aid. And people love seeing their peers in front of an audience. They love that. Another way uh, to gain interest and attention would be to give your audience an incentive to listen. Everybody that's in your audience is always asking the question, what's in this for me? Why do I even need to listen? Why is this even important for me? So you need to give them an incentive to listen. You need to let them know in your introduction why you're not wasting their time, why that they need to take the time out to even hear what you have to say in your speech. For instance, if you tell your listeners you will explain how to avoid food poisoning, they have an incentive to listen carefully because they're going to know how to avoid food poisoning. Now, once you have grabbed your audience's attention, the next thing that you want to do, the second part of an intro, is to orient the audience. So you do that by first giving background information about your speech. Now, if I was to give you a story on these two people who got into a fight at school, but I don't give you any background information on why they got into a fight, it's probably going to just make you just sit there and be like, what was the point of the fight? Give some background information about why the fight even happened. So-and-so was talking about so-and-so. You know, Give some background information on your material before you dive right into it. Establish your credibility. Tell your audience why they should listen to you, why you are even credible enough to stand up there and give a speech on what you're about to speak about. You know, for instance, if you are giving a speech on how to escape a burning building, if you're a firefighter, you need to establish your credibility by saying, hey, I'm a volunteer firefighter. I've done it for the last three years. You know, right there you are establishing your credibility to make your audience want to listen because you are now a credible speaker because you have experience with fighting fires and escaping burning buildings. And you also want to preview the body of the speech. Okay? State the central idea and state the main points. You just kind of want to give a little tiny summary of what all you're going to be talking about in your introduction. Now, there are some guidelines for the introduction. Don't prepare the introduction first. The reason you don't want to do this is because you, by doing the body and the conclusion, 
First, before you do the introduction, you're going to know exactly what's in your speech, and it's going to help you write your introduction better. Your introduction should actually be the very last thing that you write because that is your introduction is where you're going to preview your speech. So you're going to know exactly what to write in your introduction because you've already got your speech written. So it's going to be easier to do your introduction last. Uh, two would be to make your introduction simple and easy to follow, but avoid making it too brief. You know, don't drag your introduction out, but don't make it so short that your audience don't even know that you began your speech. You need to make sure that your audience is in the groove of your speech. Three, make sure your introduction has a direct and obvious tie-in with the body of the speech. So that's a good tip on you know, writing your introduction last because it lets you make sure by writing it last, it lets you know what's exactly in your speech and you will be able to give your audience an exact brief summary of what your speech is about. Four, never apologize. Never get up there and say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't have a long time to write this speech. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't have enough time to really prepare for this speech. Oh, I'm sorry the speech that I'm about to do really isn't that good. Because what you're doing right there is you've completely killed your speech. You've killed your confidence. You've killed the power behind your speech, the power behind your message. Be confident when you get up and speak. Never apologize. It's very weak, and it shows weakness. So let's talk about conclusions. Your conclusion should signal the end, and you can do that two ways, with verbal signals and nonverbal signals. Verbal signals, you can say in conclusion, or you could say in closing. A nonverbal signal would be to... Give the audience uh, a certain look or give the audience a certain stare that they'll know, that they'll feel that your speech is over. It's important because your audience needs closure. Your audience needs a sense of completion. It gives the listeners a satisfying finale. Okay? And nonverbal might be a little bit harder to do. Just make sure you use a strong tone of voice and you know, use the proper facial expressions for that. But usually people go with the verbal. In conclusion, in closing, people love closure. That's just how we're built. Another thing you can do to signal the end would be, or besides signaling the end, would be to summarize your key ideas. That's where you go over kind of everything that you talked about in your speech. Another... Uh, thing you should do for the conclusion would be to reinforce the central idea with a clincher. Uh, you do that by, you can cite a quotation. Um, for an example, I had a student get up and say, he said, I would like to close with a quotation from Laurel Valdez, an emergency medicine technician in California, who said, quote, I have driven my ambulance to hundreds of traffic accidents. I have found many people already dead, but I have yet to unbuckle the seatbelt of a dead person, end quote. So that's pretty, you know, pretty catchy. 
You could also reinforce the central idea by issuing an appeal or a challenge. If you gave a whole speech on why you should donate blood, challenge your audience to go out and donate blood. If you gave a whole speech of why volunteer work is important, bring a sign-up sheet for a day to volunteer somewhere. Um, Another thing you could do to reinforce the central idea would be to give an illustration. An illustration is a very popular way to reinforce the central idea of a speech. Um, I had a student in one of my public speaking classes. Um, He was giving a speech on avoiding internet gambling. So he gave uh, this illustration. He said, quote, In his entire life, college senior Mark Scott had never gambled until one night when he got an email that said, Congratulations, Mark, you won $100. Scott was intrigued and clicked on the gambling site and began playing blackjack. After an hour, $175 of his own money was gone. Three months later, he had run up a $9,000 gambling debt on his credit card. So he just kind of illustrated, that ends the quote, and he just kind of illustrated there what this person did when he let internet gambling get out of hand. And uh, the last thing that you can do to reinforce your central idea would be to refer back to the introduction. One way to do this would be to answer a question that you asked at the beginning of the speech. So if you didn't answer the question that you asked at the beginning of the speech, there would be a good way to answer it. So there are some guidelines for conclusions. Don't drag out the ending. Make sure that you know exactly how you're going to end your speech. If you don't know when you're going to end your speech, sometimes people have tendencies just to keep on talking because they don't know how to gracefully bow out. So know how you're going to do it before you start. Um, Another guideline for uh, conclusions would be to uh, not end it weekly. If you close with a statement such as, I guess that's it, or I guess that's all I really got to say, and your voice is all nonchalant and very unenthusiastic, I mean, you've just kind of downgraded your entire speech. End your speech with confidence, okay? End it with as much grace as you can. Don't end apologetically. That's the third thing, just like the introduction. Don't get up here and say, well, sorry my speech sucked. Oh, sorry that my speech wasn't as good as what y'all thought it might have been. Because again, you're just making, you're just downgraded your entire speech and you've just killed your credibility, you've killed your confidence, you've killed the meat behind your speech. And lastly, never bring in new main points. This is the introduction. It's time to end things, it's not time to bring up new points. That's a different time and a different place for that. And that's basically just a short little lecture on introductions and conclusions. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Adam Banks. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the communication lecture series here on Off the Cuff. I will see you in the next episode.